0: Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to the Life, Death, and Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. I know it seems like a strange combination, but that gives me a unique view of life and death. Death can be scary. I get that. That's why I'm doing this. I want to help people explore life, death, and what it all means. We are born and we die. What we do in the middle is the space between. Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Space Between. My guest today, Amy Gould, is an intuitive consultant and psychic medium. Amy offers the unique view of connecting to spirit while offering the calming approach of a mindful-based practice that provides a deeper understanding of personal issues. Amy works with clients to assist as they seek to understand challenging periods in their life by relaying messages from spirit that offer enlightenment and encouragement. Amy brings forth loving and meaningful messages in her work and her clients typically experience an elevated sense of awareness that offers validation and resolution. Amy is a graduate of the University of Wisconsin-Madison and holds a master's degree in social work from Loyola University in Chicago and a master's degree in education from DePaul University. I'm honored to welcome Amy Gould to today's show. So Amy, can you tell me a little bit about how you made the transition from social work and teacher to intuitive counselor, and what exactly does that mean?
1: Well, hello. How are you? Good. <laughs> nice to how see are you? you. Thanks for having me on your show. <laughs> it's hard for me not to say something. Um, so... I would say that I still integrate social work practice into my intuitive counseling practice. It's hard to um, put down the social work practice because it does get integrated in at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, When I made the jump, so to speak, it happened after my... Um, practice as a hospice social worker. And to go backwards, I was actually learning about the metaphysical in tandem with when I went back to school for my degree in social work. So when you say metaphysical, what do you mean? So when I'm saying the metaphysical, I'm talking about the spiritual realms, that which we can't see with our six or feel with our six senses necessarily, the actually seeing or hearing um, or uh, feeling something that's tangibly in front of us or that we can experience with our senses. So when I went back to learn about the metaphysical, I was learning a few different modalities, astrology and tarot, and then it kind of moved into a learning about um, how to reach out to spirit and receive spirit messages, just like a s- psychic medium would.
0: And so how exactly, or what kind of shifted for you where you realized, you know what, this is the work I want to do. You said you were, you were working in a hospice mm-hmm. setting,
1: mm-hmm.
0: obviously Hospices for people who are dying. Um, so what, what kind of, prompted you, like really pushed you?
1: That's such a great question. Um, What actually prompted me to go back to school for my degree in social work was actually seeing other psychic mediums prior to that. Um, I had a very um, important experience that was really a life's epiphany for me. Um, After my maternal grandmother had passed away, I found myself in a spiritualist church, and I was hoping that I would receive a message from my grandmother because I knew that they did a message service at the end of the um, healing service. And even though I was raised around the metaphysical, raised with astrology, with tarot, with Ouija board, open to the possibilities of seances, um, during my young adulthood, I really had pushed it away. But after my grandmother had died and about seven, eight years later, I found myself in the spiritual church, hoping that she would come through in a message. And when a psychic medium stood up in front of the congregation and looked at me and said, may I come to you? I said, sure. And she went on to tell me some very important things about my grandmother's very specific um, information that nobody could have known and i was as skeptical as the day is long and so when she had actually told me that my grandmother she gave me the name of the school that my grandmother attended when she was um, a new immigrant to this country it was the name of a secretarial school that she went to to learn a trade and a skill so she can make some money i was blown away how would she have known that And it was something that I was searching for, something that I was seeking in my life. I was always looking for God. And the way I was relating to God for so long was there was this angry energy up there that we had to, you know, listen to all the rules and laws and regulations. Or if not, then bad things would happen. And so with... Which I think is how a lot of people... Absolutely. You
0: know, think about God because of religion.
1: Absolutely. And so... I went home that night, I fell to my knees and I cried. And I said, thank you for showing me. I almost have tears in my eyes now thinking about now. Thank you for showing me that there's something else out there. And I needed to explore it and I needed to learn. So I started um, reading. I started uh, going to different uh, psychic mediums. They would tell me, you're going back to school. And I'd say, no, 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 I don't want to go back to school. No, you're going to go back to school. And I sat on that for a while and um, continued to learn about spirit and spirit communication. And then I went back for my degree in social work. and But again, studying spirit and the metaphysical in tandem, and then I finally took the leap of faith that this was the modality that I needed to work in. So that's kind of how it's a long answer to how it is that I segued from social work into the metaphysical. So when you say you talk to spirit, what exactly do you mean by that? Because I
0: think some people think, oh, you're talking to ghosts or, you know, people often refer to sixth sense, like Mm -hmm. dead, you know, dead people are talking to me or whatever he says in that movie. Um, So can you describe what that's like for you?
1: Yes. So when I'm spirit, it's important to understand that spirit is just simply energy. That's all it is. Spirit is just um, a vibration that... And we give off a vibration on the earth. And I do not believe that energy ever dies. That's a law of physics. Mm -hmm. That energy is neither created nor destroyed. And so when someone leaves the... When energy leaves the human form, that energy goes somewhere. So I believe that I am communicating with some level of that energy. So when I am in a reading and when I'm communicating with spirit and it could be a deceased ancestor it can be a member of somebody's spirit team it it could be you know some kind of energy that way i am hearing in my head just like we hear words in our head that tells us what to do during the day i got to run to the bathroom i have to go meet so and so for lunch so you're hearing words um, I'm hearing what may seem like an entire paragraph of information, just complete. I will also see in my mind's eye. I will see visions, pictures, words, names, initials. And how do you know
0: that's not just your mind creating that versus some spirit entity?
1: Right. So, and that's a great question because for a long time I was wondering, perhaps I'm becoming, I'm becoming schizophrenic. Yeah, I'm schizophrenic. I really was scared when I was in social work school learning about all of this. I'm like, maybe I'm really schizophrenic and there's a real problem. I can turn it on and off. And what I mean by that is, is that the information when I'm sitting with a client is just simply coming in too quickly for me to make logical sense of it. It is not something that if I... I set an intention to imagine that I can imagine at any point right now, flowers, or I can see in my mind's eye what my bedroom looks like at home. But when I'm sitting with a client and they want to communicate, they have an intention to communicate with a loved one or their spirit team, um, I will get information that feels like it's coming out of nowhere, like it's coming out of left field. I'm hearing it. I'm feeling it in my body. I am tasting it sometimes. I'm seeing it in my mind's eye. And it comes in faster than I can make logical sense of it, which is why I know it is for my client and it's not for me and it's coming from spirit. So
0: you you said before that you started in hospice work. Um, and You, when you're in hospice and people are dying, you see a lot of death. What do you think or what have you learned along the way, both through your hospice work but also through your spiritual work, happens when we die? Because I know this is a big question for people and a big part of my reason for doing this is obviously to explore and to open people up, but it's also to help people maybe feel less fear around death, which if you've been listening to my podcast you know already that that's what i believe is is the core of so much angst for so many people is this notion of
1: mm-hmm.
0: resistance to death and fear around death so. right
1: right and and so one of the hallmark changes that happened in my life as i said starting off i was in that spiritual church receiving this Very clear validation that uh, my grandmother's energy was still with us. That's what began the journey for me to to discern and to figure out that there really is no death because I didn't want to be afraid anymore. I really set out on this path and decided I don't want to be afraid of death anymore. So how can I not be afraid of death? Mm-hmm. Which is why I went back to school for social work, which is why I was studying the metaphysical because there's this energy. It really exists. And it, it's actually tangible in in when you are open to receiving it through your senses. So, um, well, and there's nothing more powerful in my
0: opinion than when you have that personal experience that's irrefutable, right? Like you just know it in your core that this is your truth.
1: Correct. And it feels really, really nice. Um, I am not out here to, to prove anything, I would love everybody to not be afraid of death in my experience with hospice, with my experience doing this as a as a medium, with the things that I've learned, I really believe that there is no death, that it's just simply a transition of the energy moving from one place to the next, and that it will return back again in some form. Perhaps on the earth, perhaps, you know, somewhere in space, if you will, but it is absolutely, it is absolutely, it is absolutely there. And, um, and it's, it never goes away. Eckhart Tolle talks about there being no death. Ever on death or something like that, because it it's very true. It's just a shift of the energy, and what we get hooked on is the actual physical manifestation of a person. Right? We uh, we want to be able to touch them and see them and hear them. But if you can, when you take away that physical body, the energy, the essence of that person is still there. It's still accessible. And if we can wrap our head around mm-hmm. that piece, well, then they're really never, they're never ever gone. Certainly we will miss that part, but it can be lessened and lessened and lessened as time goes on that you can continue the communication. And,
0: and what happens to you? What actually happens to that energy? You're in a body, let's say a soul, you're a soul. You're in a bo- the soul is in a body. And then the soul, the body dies. So where does that soul go? Like what you know in in your in your opinion, your experience, you know, having seen people die, Mm -hmm. what happens? What do you see? So
1: the energy seems to interestingly stay in some level of being intact. In other words, it's not like all of a sudden the energy leaves the body and then all the little atoms or whatnot spread to the four winds, so to speak. It seems to be able to stay intact somehow. And, um, and you've seen this, right? and I've And I've seen where energy appears to be leaving the physical body. Um, for a time before I actually became a hospice social worker, I um, just was acting as a hospice volunteer and I would sit vigil with people who were actively dying. And What does that mean to be actively dying? So they are like hours to days away from dying. So their body presents in a way that's very classic um, symptoms that present that hospice workers, doctors, nurses understand. So, for example, a person's breathing usually shifts. Maybe it becomes very short, um perhaps they may take breaths every you know 30 seconds it's called chain Stokes breathing um, they have stopped eating they have stopped drinking they are typically not conscious um, they may present with what's called modeling so their fingers and their toes and their feet and up through their legs and their arms they start it the, the coloring changes it may look like there's a little bit of bruising because the body is just trying to conserve the energy for the organs to work and so so the you know the the blood flow starts to lessen and, and not be as as uh, as adequate. So these are the the common symptoms. Um, and It's not tr- for every single patient who is actively dying. Sometimes there's modeling. Sometimes there's not. But that's you know. But to the point of what you're asking is what has that that I've seen. That, Again, I have experienced where I've seen um, what looks like a cloud of smoke, what looks like um, tangibly seen with my own eyes energy um, appearing above somebody's somebody's head um almost smoky in appearance that the energy is beginning to leave. There's been many hospice, social workers, nurses especially, or volunteers who have experienced um, actually witnessing when somebody's uh, energy is leaving the body. Perhaps they feel like the energy is kind of brushing like a soft wind through them or next to them, like a a little bit of a chill. Of the goosebumps as you say that. (laughs) Some people may see like the energy leaving Quickly through the head, there's a belief that the the energy absolutely moves from like head or excuse me from the feet through through, through the and exits through the crown the crown chakra. Um, you can also examine near-death experiences. There's so much documentation, so much evidence to support um, how when someone has had a near-death experience and perhaps they're standing outside of their body that they're seeing um, what's going on in, in the room as, as other people are wor- doctors are working on them, for example, or who's at their bedside, for example, um, so what happens when the soul leaves the body, as far as I've experienced it through my readings, um, usually it is a time of rest. Um Typically speaking, I'd say 99.9% of energies of deceased ancestors who come forward to speak to a client in a reading will share that there's about two or three energies that were at their bedside or waiting for them, or literally were there at the time that they transitioned out of their physical body. Um it's experienced as almost as a moment of euphoria of, of, of absolute pure joy, divine love, the, the, the energy it's indescribable. Mm-hmm. Um, most times spirit will in parts colors. Um, I would like to describe it as when, if you've ever watched the wizard of Oz and Dorothy enters Oz and all of a sudden it's all that technicolor, um, it's, it's brighter than that. It's, it's, it's supposedly just absolutely beautiful. And then after that, then it's, then there's a time that the spirit will spend with its spirit team, talk about this lifetime, talk about the um, things that happen in this lifetime, their opportunities, what they could have done better, what they will learn in the next lifetime. Michael Newton, I th- I think he's a PhD, he has since passed on, but he's written a great deal about life between life, um, what happens to the soul after it leaves the body, who does it see, what's experienced, what is it what's learned. Maybe I could get him on my show. Yeah, yeah Even right. though he's gone. He's gone. You right. We'll have to channel him. <laughs> right. Can we channel him. <laughs> he's written some he's written a lot on this subject and he's he's interviewed thousands of people.
0: So if if death is, is so wonderful and euphoric, why do you think we don't remember it from life to life or when we come back or if, if you believe we come back? Like if we remembered that death was so great, then we wouldn't have to be so scared of death. Mm-hmm. How do you envision that would change how we lived our lives? Like do you think, I guess what I'm asking is, do you think that the fear of death, if it was more, um tangible to us could change how we lived our lives. If we all thought it was beautiful and we remembered that it was amazing and beautiful, would
1: that be something we would all be yearning to do again? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, it's it's very interesting because different religious, um, you know, the Buddhists believe differently than how we're raised in more of a Judeo-Christian society. And especially me having been raised Jewish, there there's no... Um, you know as far as i have learned and and i'm certainly no expert that there's no assurances that you you even go anywhere necessarily that you know life is about living here right now mm-hmm. and if there is something else out there well all that's really nice and good and that's kind of a bonus in some ways now you know even within Judaism, there's different ways of interpreting. The Orthodox interpret it differently. Going to Gan Aden and and who's going to be there, and making sure you follow all the laws of the Torah, so that um, you know you are received and whatnot. Yeah, and my and understanding is very yeah. Is, my, there's a, a heaven and a hell.
0: Right, exactly. Mine's limited to maybe about
1: that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Mine is certainly too. Um, I'm trying to understand it more from a Buddhist perspective, but how would our world be if we had remembered that life, that, that death isn't so bad, would we have a better world? Would we be less afraid? Yeah, of course you bet. Why is it that we don't remember that? That's like the million dollar question, Mm -hmm. but I will have you know that if you were to submit to past life regressions and that's the work of, um, Dr. Uh, Michael Weiss, I believe. Brian Brian Weiss. Weiss. Thank you. Who is,
0: who is, I've actually taken one of his courses and it's, it's pretty powerful.
1: Yeah. He's a foremost expert on that. And, and if- was
0: a psychiatrist. So if you haven't Correct. read his work, I mean, he was a Yale-trained mm-hmm. psychiatrist who sort of stumbled into past life work
1: mm-hmm. by accident. Right. And if you do a past life regression or reg- or have done that, and you are walked through the actual time of death, you actually can discern that, well, this isn't really so bad, and it's not feeling so negative and and horrible and sad. And there's you know ways in which, through that hypnotic state that a skilled past life regressionist can take you through, and it really begins to alleviate. That tension that we have around that we have around death, mm-hmm. and wouldn't that be nice if everybody did that as well to to help them? Um, I really feel like the fear that we have around death is simply our opportunity to learn about it. I know that the Buddhists will say that it's really important that we every single day work with that, that we sit in a space of. I'm going to die and you're going to die. So let's sit in that place of presence mm-hmm. and divine love. That's something that Thick I Han said. Oh, um, that he teaches. I can never pronounce it. I can never okay. pronounce it, but he teaches that at his retreats and in his workshops. That if we were just to approach life with that understanding and that acceptance, because to free ourselves from the suffering, mm-hmm. it, we have to accept it. We have to go through that. Well, and that's,
0: pain. that's what. My goal is Mm -hmm. in in doing this podcast is to expose people who wouldn't necessarily think of these things just to be open to it. Exactly. So one last question before we end today. So my podcast is titled The Space Between. What does
1: the space between mean to you? So I would say that the space between for me means in this lifetime, the all the wonderful opportunities that we have and that we take on in this earth body in this lifetime to learn how to get closer and closer to the divine and how to live in that vibration of love. Because that's where we all come from and that's where we're all returning. I don't care what road you take to Practice this or to get back to that. But that's ultimately what I believe the space between is, in between is, is that how can we best use our time to get into that divine loving vibration? that's I really strongly believe that mm-hmm. and I know like my own personal goal is is that I'm trying to do that as much as I can so my lessons in the next lifetime are perhaps easier or or different right right <laughs> or right. not coming back at all right I or mean, I just like I just
0: am always thinking okay I gotta get this like right exactly this keeps happening to me I gotta figure this out otherwise I'm gonna be sorting it out
1: right you know, again beyond, and again. beyond this Physical body exactly. I mean, things happen to us in our lifetimes, and sometimes we will notice patterns of things that are that keep happening. Well, why is it? It's because you didn't learn it five years ago or ten years ago, so now the universe has brought it back to you. Mm -hmm. It's just you know part of one of the laws of karma. And um, I know my goal is to you know continue to elevate myself to the best of my ability so that I don't come back into Earth and I'm on the higher vibrational planes to be of assistance and guidance for other people. It's kind of my goal, but, you know, it's right. not everybody's goal. And right. that's the other piece that we have to accept, that not everyone's here to understand death. Right. Not everyone is here to elevate themselves. They're here for other opportunities. Mm-hmm. And we have to be very compassionate and understanding towards that, too. So,
0: Well, yeah. thank you so much. I just like always like to give you a little plug. Oh, so thank you.
1: That's so kind. If,
0: if someone would like to schedule an intuitive reading with you, how would they go about doing that?
1: So I actually am going to have a website up really soon, oh. which I'm very excited about. Hopefully so. by
0: the time this podcast goes on. Yes. Why? So there will be at a
1: www.amylipkengould.com. So that's A-M-Y-L-I-P-K-I-N-G-O-U-L-D, all one word, dot .com. Or you could certainly Google me. Um, and then there'll be my, telephone, my cell phone number as well. Um, or sending me an email. Did you want me to give me? Sure, Okay, not? so my email is miss2s, M is in Mary, I-S-S-T is in Tom, W-O-S, at AOL.com. And then my cell phone is 847-370-0185. So... Reach out. I'd be happy to talk to anybody.
0: Well, thank you so much today for your time. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you. Tune in next in two weeks for another episode of The Space Between. And in between now and then, you can hear Amy's thoughts on how to live without regrets in my mini podcast. Thanks so much. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.